0: We're in the middle of a sermon series about following Jesus Christ. And of course, we're using stories from the Ten Boom family who lived during and before World War II in Holland, using stories from their life to help us understand some of what the New Testament teaches about being a follower of Jesus Christ. And of course, Following Christ means we have a a special relationship with Him because we've committed our lives to Him. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. We follow Him. We learn from Him. We become more like Him. And the more we become like Jesus, it impacts not only our relationship with God, it impacts our relationships with other people, how we deal with people, how we treat people, whatever the circumstances we happen to find ourselves in. Last Sunday we, we talked about Forgiveness, forgiving people who have wounded us, who have hurt us, that Jesus forgives and he expects us to forgive. But following Jesus affects how we are in relationship with people in so many ways. I want you to think about Jesus for just a moment. You you remember when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? The soldiers came and uh, Peter wanted to defend Jesus. Jesus. So he drew his sword and he cut off a man's ear. What did Jesus do? He told Peter to put up his sword. And then he reached out and touched this man, healed his ear. Now think about that. This is a man who had come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus healed him. The circumstances are not what determines how we treat people, how we deal with people as followers of christ what determines how we relate to people is simply the fact that we are followers of christ and he's rubbing off on us and what i want you to see today is the compassion of jesus toward many different people jesus was a very compassionate human being as he walked this planet in matthew nine there's a there's a simple story just, just look with me, at starting at verse 35. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and, and um, the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And then notice verse 36. And seeing the people, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them. Let that sink in a minute. Seeing the people, Jesus Felt what? Compassion. It's the idea of mercy, of, of pity. of it's, 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 it's a strong emotion. And he felt it. Jesus being fully God but also fully man had emotions as you and I have them. And seeing those people who, he says in verse 36, were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw them and all of their needs... All of their struggles, all of their fears, he was moved with. He felt compassion. That picture of Christ is given in the New Testament multiple times. He was a compassionate person, and you see it in how he dealt with people. He was compassionate when he touched the ear of the man who had come to arrest him and healed him. It's the compassion of Jesus. He was compassionate when he stood with those two women at Lazarus' tomb, his two sisters, Lazarus dead and buried. And seeing their tears and their hurt, Jesus wept. And he was moved with compassion, it says. It gripped his gut. He was a compassionate person. And Jesus tells you and me as his disciples that we are to also be compassionate. In your notes and on the screen in Luke chapter 6, We talked about this last Sunday. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is ungrateful. He is kind, rather, to ungrateful and evil men. And we talked last Sunday about Jesus saying we're supposed to forgive people who wound us. Just like as he hung on the cross, the soldiers who had nailed him to that cross were gambling over his clothing at the foot of the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so Jesus taught us to forgive. We talked about that last Sunday, but and we looked at that verse, but look at the end of it. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now most English translations will translate that last sentence as be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And it's the same word that we've looked at in these other verses already this morning. Jesus is telling us that one of the things that moves us to look at people differently is that we feel compassion. And why? It's what we said a few weeks ago in the book of Romans that the love of God has been poured out, emptied into our hearts. When God's love is in our heart, we we grow over the years in our ability to be compassionate. If over the years of your being involved in church you become harsh, God's love is not permeating your heart. We grow. In many ways, as disciples, as time passes, and one of the ways we grow is we become more compassionate. We see the needs, the hurts, the spiritual hurts, the physical hurts, the emotional hurts of people, and we're touched, we're moved, we feel. Last Sunday, we talked about um, Corey and Betsy being in a concentration camp and learning the name of the man who betrayed their family to the Gestapo and how... Corey struggled to forgive him, but ultimately she did. But there's more to the story. When the war ended, and Corey was back home in Holland, the man who had betrayed her family had also betrayed others, and therefore he was convicted in his home country of Holland for war crimes and sentenced to be executed. When Cory Timboom learned that he was to be executed, she wrote him a letter. And I'd like to read to you the letter she sent to the man who had betrayed her family. Dear sir, today I heard that most probably you were the one who betrayed me. I went through 10 months of concentration camp. My father died after 10 days, my sister after 10 months of imprisonment. What you meant to be harmful, God used for my good. I have become closer to him. A severe punishment is awaiting you. I have prayed for you that the Lord will accept you if you will turn to him. Think about the fact that the Lord Jesus also carried your sins on the cross. If you accept that and will be his child, you will be saved forever. I have forgiven you everything. God will forgive you everything also if you ask him. He loves you. And he himself has sent his son to earth to forgive your sins, that is, to bear the punishment for you and me. From your side an answer must be given. When he he says, come to me, give your heart, then your answer must be, yes, Lord, I will make me your child. If you have difficulty praying, ask then if God will give you his spirit. He works the faith in your heart. Never doubt the love of the Lord Jesus. He stands with his arms wide open to receive you. I hope that the hard road that you must now that, that you now have to go will bring you to your eternal Savior. Sincerely, Corey Ten Boone. I'm sure that it was not always easy for her to do things like that. But as a follower of Christ, as his love filled her heart and she sought to obey his scripture, she became more like Christ and did those kind of things. And the truth is that's that's true of all of us who are following Christ, is that the more we follow him, the closer we are to him, the more his love permeates us, the more his word directs us, the more we do things like that. Corey actually sent a Bible to this man with her letter. And she highlighted verses in it for him to read that pointed the way to salvation. He wrote her back and told her that what she had done had made an impression on him. And he had read the verses in the Bible that she had marked and he had, let me just quote it. He said, I brought my terrible sins to Jesus and he was saved. You remember what I said a moment ago? Jesus hanging on the cross. The very men who had driven the nails through his wrists and feet. Who had hoisted him between heaven and earth. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You remember as Jesus hung on that cross, two thieves crucified with him on either side. To one of them who repented of his sin. Jesus looked at him as he was dying and said, today you will be with me in paradise. See, the circumstances Jesus was experiencing on the cross were such that most of us would say he had a reason, indeed an excuse to focus just on himself. But in the midst of his own suffering, Jesus was still able to feel compassion for others. And what you and I as his followers need to learn, and it's not always an easy lesson, but we need to learn it, is that circumstances don't dictate who we are. Following Christ dictates who we are. And that our ability to love, Our ability to to witness, our ability to care, our ability to have faith is not determined by what's happening around us, but by our connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that connection shapes who we are and what we do and how we do it, whatever the circumstances. Sometimes it's hard, but it shapes us. And Jesus said, I expect you as my followers to be compassionate, not only when it's easy, but whenever the need arises. So, who would he be compassionate toward? It'd be easy to say everyone, and that's true. But let me break it down a little bit. We're to be compassionate toward other brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow believers. I've always been intrigued by what Jesus teaches in Matthew 12, if you'll turn there in your Bible, please. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is teaching and he's in a house and there's a crowd in the room listening to him. His disciples are there also. And the Bible in verse 46 of Matthew 12 says that while he, while Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to Jesus, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Jesus, in verse 48, answered the one who was telling him and said, Who? Now notice this. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then in verse 49, stretching out his hand toward his disciples, and Mark's gospel adds that he looked at them. So he looks at them and he stretches out his hand toward the disciples. And this is what Jesus said. He said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. Then he added, "For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother." Now, all of us have family. We have blood kin, and those relationships, you know, they're, they're you know, even even in the midst of a struggle, sometimes those relationships they're they're unique and they're tight. You know, and sometimes we have these jokes about, you know, uh, you know, we can fight with each other, but now you, you don't bother my family. We can bother each other, but, you know, you'll get in trouble if you, right? Blood's, I mean, blood's tight. Our biological family is important to us, and it's supposed to be important to us. But the Bible teaches we also have another family that is also to be important to us. And just like we're connected to our biological family through blood, we're connected to this other family through blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ who takes people who are different and makes them one, one family. Blood kin, blood relation, to the shed blood of Christ. When you look at other believers, other followers of Christ, they're your blood kin, Jesus says. And just like your biological family, Has good and bad, if you will, so does your Christian family, your church family, your fellow believers. We have our good moments and our bad moments, our joys and our sorrows. There are times we frustrate one another and have to forgive one another. Times we need each other and times they need us. That's what family is. That's what your biological family is. That's what your Christian family is. Um, When Steve was doing the welcome a moment ago, he encouraged you to fill out those connect cards. One of the things that you do on those connect cards is list prayer requests. Those are prayed for. Sunday school classes. Most of the Sunday school classes around here every week send out you know, a prayer list. People share prayer requests during the Sunday school and, and uh, there are small groups and stuff and those are communicated to everybody in the group. I I get several of those. And, and so people are praying for one another because they're in a relationship with one another through Sunday school in small groups. Those prayer requests that you put on the, the connect cards go into our prayer room and the pastors look at some of those and we pray for them. Um, Sue Lewis over here was telling me a couple of weeks ago, about uh, years ago, when we were still downtown, being in the prayer room, and, and one of those uh, prayer requests from the connect cards that you fill out every Sunday was there, and been f- prayer requests put on there by some of you remember Betty Walton, who back in the 90s was was one of our custodians downtown and cooked on Wednesday nights, helped us with the dinners and stuff, and she had put a prayer request on there uh, for her daughter LaQuana, who was 11 years old and couldn't read and was struggling in school and had just been kind of promoted grade to grade. And she was asking for someone to, for them to pray, for for us to pray that someone would help her daughter learn to read, and Sue felt compelled to do so. And she started meeting weekly with Laquana for five years, helping her learn to read, and she did learn to read and started making A's too in school. But one of the things Sue said she did to help, those that she was tutoring to stay interested, was she would write short stories about them. And a bunch of those stories ended up in a drawer and eventually became this book that, uh, that uh, she's written. And, and those of you who are interested, you'll later this month have an opportunity to hear her read some of this at, a, at an event she'll be hosting and a book signing and all of that. And, and here's the point I want you to get out of all of that, is that sometimes when we pray for each other, We're doing more than just praying. That that God moves, whether it's on us or others, he he moves people to, to, to do stuff that makes a difference in those lives. And that's what compassion does. But here's the other thing. When you pray for someone else because you're feeling compassion for them, sometimes God down the road does something in your life you didn't expect. Maybe like helping you write a book that came because you felt compelled to help a kid learn to read. You just never know. God, when he answers our prayers, a lot of times answers them on many levels and in ways that we, we have no way of anticipating. So what are you doing to demonstrate compassion for other believers? Are you praying for them? Are you encouraging them? Are you are you gathering with them? There's a, there's a reason these tables are around the wall. And after the service, we're asking you, if you're not in a Sunday school class or or a connect group, a small group, to, to go to one of those tables and talk to the leaders who will be there because you need to be connected with other believers. You're, 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 you're not going to receive the ministry and the support and the encouragement you need if you isolate yourself from other believers. But if you isolate yourself, the flip side is you're not going to be in a position to minister to others when they need you because you won't know them and you won't know anything about the needs in their lives. And so not only do you rob yourself of being ministered to, you rob yourself of the ability to minister to others in the way that God has. You need to be connected with other believers. And I'm challenging you, if you're not in a class or a connect group, to get in one next Sunday and go to one of these tables after the service and learn more about it. Feel compassion for fellow believers. I'm I'm going to tell you, this church is not just for you and your Sunday school class is not just for you. It is for everyone else here and everyone else in your group as much as it is for you, and if you need to forgive someone, if you need to feel some compassion for someone, but you're so upset about something, you can't. You need to look at what Christ said we're supposed to do, and allow His love to so fill your heart that compassion dictates how you deal with your circumstances. For other believers, Ephesians four thirty-two. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. When Corey's sister Betsy died, they were in Ravensbrook concentration camp that's a, that's a photograph of one of the barracks from Ravensbrook. That's what you have here. that evening. On the day she died, Betsy died. That evening Corey was sleeping in one of those bunks trying just she was she was in trying to go to sleep and those barracks were built for four hundred people, yet fourteen hundred women were crammed into them. And you can get a sense of how cramped the sleeping quarters were. But that little space beside Corey where Sister Betsy slept every night was was empty. There was a new arrival, a woman from Russia, walking between those rows of barracks trying to find a place to lay down. And everyone was ignoring her. Because it was so crowded, and because she she was Russian and, and none of them liked Russians. And Corey Motioned her into Betsy's spot. They were so close, their faces almost touched. They didn't speak the same language. And so Corey just said, Jesus Christos. And the Russian woman said, Oh, and made the sign of the cross. And threw her arms around Corey and kissed her cheek. And Corey would later write on that day I lost my sister of more than 50 years, but I gained a new sister who had been scared to death. It's compassion because it's so easy for us to be so consumed with our circumstances, with our emotions with our whatever, that we cease being like Christ. Followers of Christ seek to be compassionate people, not only toward other believers, but compassion toward the lost. And I I just want to say from the the outside that, that too often in our culture, we as Christians have not shown a lot of compassion to people who are lost because we've expected them to be like us, even though they've never made the commitment to be followers of Christ like us. Let that sink in a minute. In Matthew chapter 5, look at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and following. Jesus says we are the what? salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, he says, shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Salt makes food taste better. It's not only a preservative, it's a taste enhancer. But it doesn't make anything taste better while it's in the salt shaker. It's got to be put on the meat or whatever. Do you you get the analogy? What kind of salt are you being on the lives of lost people in this world? Do they, when, when they listen to you, when they observe you, do they feel any compassion? Do they feel any love coming forth from you? The first four months of uh, Corey and Betsy's imprisonment was in uh, Shevinigen, a federal prison the Nazis had turned into a camp in Holland. And for several weeks, multiple times, Corey was interrogated by a Nazi officer. During their first session, she quoted some scripture and made some comments that Apparently, made an impression on him, and all of their follow up sessions. There was no more interrogation. It was just him talking with her about life and God and spiritual things. As he confessed to her, his life was miserable, and he himself, now get this, he's a Nazi officer interrogating her in a camp, and he says to her, I feel like a prisoner in this place that I have no choice but to do what I'm doing. And talked about how he was so afraid for his family back in Germany because this is now 1945, and the Allies are dropping bombs all over Germany, and he fears for his family's life. Well, he never accepts Christ during those visits. Years later, after the war was over, Cory Timboon was in Germany and she actually met this Nazi officer. And she asked him if he had ever committed his life to Christ. He said no. So standing there on the streets, she shared the gospel with him. After which he prayed and received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You mean compassion for a Nazi guard who's interrogating you while you're in prison? You want me to have compassion for that neighbor whose lifestyle I don't approve of? Yes. You want me to have compassion for that person at work who acts like a jerk? Yes. Because that's what Jesus wants from us. Sin blinds people. It hardens their heart and destroys their values. And sometimes we hurt, we suffer because of what sin does in their lives. But that doesn't determine whether or not we have love and compassion for those who are lost. Look at what Jesus said in, in, in Matthew chapter 10. I think this is especially appropriate for the Ten Boom family. Matthew chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 Jesus has just told his disciples that they will be persecuted as he was persecuted. And in verse 26, he said, therefore, do not fear them. Don't fear those who, who because of your faith in Christ, make life hard on you. Do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed, Jesus says, that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. This, This world is a place of darkness and every word I hear from Christ, I hear it in a world of darkness and I need to share it because it brings light to this world. What Jesus whispers in my ear, I'm to proclaim from the mountaintop that he is a God who died on the cross because he loves them and will forgive them and can change them no matter what they've done. Jesus said, don't fear them. In verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body. That Gestapo officer had the authority to have Corey Tim Boom executed, and here she is talking to him about Jesus. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Our reverence for God should always be larger than our fear of any person. Did you catch that? Our reverence for God should always be larger than our fear of any human being. Three days after Betsy died in Ravensbrook, Corey was standing with all the other women outside in the December cold for roll call and to torture the. Prisoners, the Nazis often made roll call last two, three, four, five hours where they had to stand at a detention in whatever weather they had that day. And early in the roll call, over the loudspeaker, Corey heard her name and it caught her off guard because she was so used to being called by number. Corey Tim Boom, come forward. She came forward and they told her to stand over there. And in time, there was another young girl standing behind her, scared to death. And they were wondering what was going on. And Corey thought, This is the day. The gas chamber. She stood there at attention with that scared young girl behind her for three hours as roll call continued. And Corey prayed. And listen to this. Lord, this is perhaps the last chance I will have to bring someone to you before I arrive in heaven. Use me, Lord, and give me all the love and wisdom I need. And so Corey started quietly talking to the young girl behind her named Tiny. And as other nearby prisoners listened, She shared the gospel with Tiny. And Tiny gave her heart to Jesus. Corey was not sent to the gas chambers. That was actually the day she learned she was going to be released. About a week later, she was standing at the front gate of Ravensbrook ready to walk out, a free woman. And another prisoner. Came by, came close enough that she could whisper so Corey could hear her. And she said to Corey this morning, Tiny died in the chambers. When God places on your heart to be compassionate to another person, there's a reason. When, when God prompts you and me to invite someone to church, He prompts us to pray for someone who's lost. He prompts us to, to share the story of Jesus with someone who's lost. He prompts us to share our story, our testimony with someone who's lost. There's a reason. Because God always knows more than I know and more than you know. And because we follow Him... When he says step here, we step there. When he says step here, you step here. When he says do this, you do this. When he says do that, you do that. You follow him. Always easy? (laughs) No. No. Is it ultimately always worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. How's your compassion right now? Some of you are growing and becoming more and more compassionate like Christ. Some of you, life and experiences are such that there was a time years ago when you were more compassionate than you are today. You've allowed yourself to become hardened. This morning, you need to open your heart and soul to God in a fresh way, asking him to melt that I soften that clay, and warm your heart and fill it with his compassion. And remember, your heart won't stay right if you don't train yourself to think right. In Romans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's the reason the very first sermon in this series was focused on their family tradition of just burying themselves in the Word of God. Because when you know His Word and you allow His Word to control you, to shape you, to dictate how you make decisions, even when you don't feel like it, your heart will get in line. Sometimes the heart goes first, but a lot of times the mind has to go first. But they've both got to go to the right place. Let's stand.